0: Howdy! This is Vosh. You may know me from the YouTube channel Vosh, where I live stream. Most of it's garbage, but sometimes the good bits get uploaded here. This is Previously Live. Hello, hello. Hello, hello.
1: <laughs> what's up all right there's my face turn turn up the volume or turn down okay turn down the volume all right sorry for the weight we were dealing with uh technology you
0: feel me um you have nothing to apologize for
1: thank you i appreciate that so just so the audience knows the way this is going to be formatted is we have two clubs gathered here today Um, the college Dems and a group called Solidarity. They're the socialist club on campus, overall very cool people. And we are going to talk about fascism. We're gonna start with a speech by me and then a speech by a member from Solidarity. And then we're gonna, uh, I guess Vosh has an opportunity to give a long speech if he wants or a a short speech. And then we're gonna go into a sort of conversation back and forth uh, about the topic. And then at the end, I will do audience questions. They're currently passing around a paper with for that reason. But I guess uh, whenever you guys are ready to start, you guys are ready. Vosh, are you ready? I am. OK, actually, yeah. Um, perfect, 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 perfect. So
0: it's not Matt Binder, guys.
1: I'll start off by introducing myself. My name is Nathan Galang. Um, I'm the president of the College Democrats, and I am a progressive. I am an enjoyer of progressive policies and progressive politics. I'm a former candidate for my city council. Didn't win, but got 41% of the vote, which I think is pretty solid for a first-timer. It is. Um, my YouTube and Twitch, just the shameless self-promote, are the Nathan Glang, and I plan to start streaming soon if you guys are interested in that. But enough about me. We can move on to our guest speakers and our topic. Um, today, we'll be talking about fascism uh not in support of it obviously but instead of how we fight it we're going to i already said this part earlier um and of course we'll be hearing from our keynote speaker a guy many of you guys know in the audience i'm talking about the live audience but some of you might not but his name is ian he is a youtuber and i prepared a short video about 30 seconds i can share it on the screen of who exactly we have gathered with, uh, with us today. Oh, um if you don't mind, I show it. Is that all right, Vosh?
0: Oh, please, I'm flattered. Take it away. Okay, perfect.
1: All right. In three, two, one. What we do here just
2: go back, 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 back,
3: back, back, back. <laughs>
4: Oh, Sorry, that wasn't the right Ian.
1: Um, oh yeah, we are speaking to a uh, Ian that is a YouTuber, but <laughs> not quite that Ian. But uh. You know, pretty much the second most famous scene as far as I know. So How many people are watching this live? How many people are lo- watching live? We can... How many people are
0: watching live, Watch if you don't mind me asking? Oh, don't worry about it. Somewhere around 5,000.
1: <laughs> okay, so we have an audience of 5,000 members, guys. Let's go. Anyway. Kind of like full zoom. To How thing? I, I didn't realize I had full screen. Okay, there you my go. Thing. All right. But in all seriousness, uh, we're joined by Ian Koczynski, not... Ian Idubs. Vosh is a streamer and a YouTuber with 220 million views on his main channel, 409,000 subs on said channel, with an extra 100,000 on his second channel. That makes him one of the largest voices uh, for left wing politics in the world today and likely all of human history. He is also a sociologist. And if I were to predict long after we're gone, we're going to have. Many left-wing organizers and activists look towards him and study his work. So, Vosh, if there is anything you would like to say to introduce yourself to the audience we have gathered in person today, um, feel free to do so, and then we'll get into the topic.
0: After an introduction like that, any reasonably proportioned um, introduction from me would sound like self-deprecation. It is uh, (laughs) uh, a, a delight to speak to you all. Thank you. I love the video.
1: Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. All right. Well, we'll get into the topic of fascism. Um, I want to start out by saying that the sort of struggle between not just like leftist versus fascist, but also any not illiberal person, any liberal, any even like you could say traditional conservative that just wants government off their back. This is a struggle that everybody will have to face for the rest of our, our our adult lives. As the right continues to radicalize, whether or not we like it, we can't avoid it. But it's necessary. But if it's necessary to fight it, we have to know who our opponents are. And right now I can say without a single ounce of doubt in my mind that the Republican party is a lost cause of a party. I'm not talking about every single voter, I'm talking about every politician, every right wing media figure, every party leader and every big money donor. Those are the people that are at best weak and going along with the, for the ride, or actively trying to push the party further and further right. And uh, they're succeeding at doing that goal at least. And I'm not gonna stray away from the F word. I believe that the Republican Party is a fascist party, not metaphorically or hyperbolically, but quite literally. They question our democratic process. They lie without accountability. They complain about the weak, yet they live in a perpetual state of victimhood. Uh, They complain about the elites. But they only dare to call out Soros, not their their donors, not the billionaires and the wealthy people that make up the party. And also, I think it's worth noting that they really offer nothing as a party. They don't offer policies that help people. They run campaigns exclusively on either hate uh, or complete nonsense. Uh, How many politicians are complaining that there are litter boxes in schools now? I saw a story about that, I think, in Minnesota. Someone running for governor saw that on Kyle's channel. Um, but, you know, you compare... Look at a Donald Trump speech versus a Bernie Sanders speech. You can see the difference. It's like, like night and day. Um, and I can say, on a anecdotal level, the college Republicans here, on Labor Day, we posted about um, union activity and the success we're seeing across the nation as a college Democrats. Meanwhile, the Republicans they posted that, oh, there's this obscure feminist author that died alone. Um, that's who they are. I went to their meeting recently. They brought in a politician. It was the same old, same old. There's this notion that the left is afraid of debate. It's not true. They have blocked me on multiple social pla- social media platforms. They, have, they initially blocked the college Democrats until I came to their meeting, and then they stopped. Um, but, you know... I'm not saying this about every individual, but I'm saying this about the future leaders, the
0: current leaders. to them, of course. The Republican Party
1: is in an echo chamber and they're afraid. Um, But they're not the only threat. There's two areas I want to bring up. I'll try to bring it up quickly about the threat of fascism and how we can fight it. Number one that I want to talk about, because we'll get back to the domestic front, but the international front. There's a lot of, uh, 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 of problems across the world, and a lot of it is being driven by I would describe as fascist. You can see countries like Russia, Saudi Arabia, and, dare I say, China, who have very authoritarian governments. Um, they they oftentimes are nationalistic. In the case of Russia, are actively invading a country that didn't attack them in Saudi Arabia. They're doing a genocide in Yemen. And what are we doing as a nation, as America? Well, we're supporting Saudi Arabia. Luckily, we're not supporting Russia, but we really have a real lack of uh, moral compass when it comes to foreign policy. And I think the practical thing we can do as a government, if the if the left, if progressives were to ever gain power, which I think they will in this decade or the next, we need to use the power we have within our own government, our bully pulpit, to say, you know what, if you're doing a genocide, we'll probably make our military aid conditional. If you are occupying territory that isn't yours, maybe you won't get that aid. Um, and not only that. I mean, when we're looking at the economics of it, if we're doing a trade deal, we could easily say you need to improve labor laws if you're going to have any American companies in your country. You know what I'm saying? If we're going to have outsourcing, at least make outsourcing that benefits the globe. So that's what we can do on an international front.
0: I just saw. A video on the domestic
1: front, on a on front, and the speech is coming to a close here. We need to beat the hell out of Republicans, metaphorically and politically, not real life. Um, and. We need to call out the nonsense. We need a Democratic Party, which uh, focuses on issues that matter, which in when faced with the culture war nonsense, number one, takes the right position on the culture war, doesn't shy away from protecting the rights of Black people or trans people or gay people or so on and so forth, but also will not let the entire uh, conversation get bogged down by CRT by the fake CRT, the right wing believes it's being that's going on in schools by so-called agendas of conspiracy theory nonsense. We need to, a Democratic Party that will counter that and win on that alone. John Fetterman is an ex- excellent example of a politician that does just that. Um, and when we are in power, we actually have to have a government which does good for the people. I think we need Medicare for all, college for all, Green New Deal, and so on and so forth, the entire Bernie agenda. And we've seen a percentage of that, a fraction of that, under Biden and it's clearly helped him out, whether he's clearing student debt or, as we all know, he um, recently seems like he's going to either decriminalize or legalize marijuana and pardon people that were charged for that offense. So uh, all I can say to that is, let's go, Brandon. He's the greatest president of the 21st century, even though I'm not a fan of his, but still, nonetheless. Um, But when we actually have a progressive administration, we cannot let time go to waste. When we have progressives in city councils, when we have progressives in federal government, state government, we have to act quickly as if there is a race because we are running against, uh, we're running a race against, in my view, the fascists in the Republican Party and elsewhere. Um, So, I mean, I think it's a pretty direct and simple thing, but honestly, politics is not that complicated. You do good for people and they will do good for you. When you do bad for people and they're desperate, they will turn to any any strong man that promises them stability. And that's how you see Jair Bolsonaro in Brazil, Modi in uh, India, and Vladimir Putin in Russia. So if we can fight, we we need to fight the international project and we need to fight that at home as well. We need people like you in the Bosch audience, people like those in the room to um, run for office. I ran, it's honestly not as complicated as it seems. Start groups like Solidarity or the College Democrats. uh, Invite speakers like Bosch and make big events with it, you know, and um, do everything one step at a time, but build power. That's what it is at the end. So many Democrats will shoot themselves in the foot when trying to build power, but uh, let's not do that as time goes on. And uh, if we do that, I do think we can can either beat the fascists or hold them back long enough for humanity to survive a couple of thousand years. Uh but with that, I invite the member of Solidarity. Okay, okay, okay. They said that they want to let you speak first and then they'll talk after you. So I guess yeah, go feel free to the floor is yours.
0: Is the floor mine? Yes. Oh, and the roof too. Just making sure. Uh, yep,
1: absolutely.
0: Thank you very much. Um yeah, we're obviously at a crossroads in history. Uh, there are decades which are more important than others. And uh, many of the political differences that we were able to downplay or largely ignore uh, through the 90s and early aughts have become sort of um, unavoidable. And I think there's there's a difficulty when it comes to the um, the fascist question. Well, how, do you, how exactly do you deal with this? I mean, how do you meaningfully address... Um, the rising tide of fascism. Um, the liberalism provides us some of the work. Uh, you know, it's through liberal progressivism we're able to identify many of the political qualms that fascists take. After all, when fascists, uh, you know, run for political office and complain loudly on social media, they're usually doing so along some kind of anti-progressive line. You know, something to do with immigration or race issues concerns about transgender people or women's liberation, you know, it's usually something to do with the fundamental questions and human rights, not so much about economic inequality, uh, which the fascist often deprioritizes, instead advocating for class collaboration to ignore the differences between the wealthy and the poor, because, you know, you are all at the end of the day, white or men or cisgender or something. Um, But how do you deal with this, right? and i think um obviously if anyone had an easy answer for this you know they would be quite a bit more famous than i am but the first step is to understand exactly what motivates them there are people sometimes who quite naively believe that everyone is motivated by this innate altruism and people just have descriptive differences uh you know different beliefs about the world in which we exist so some people believe that If you sat a racist or a sexist down and explained to them some very basic demographic information, you could convince them to not be what they are. You know, that everyone is just, uh, you know, a a brief trip to a textbook away from being moved over to your ideology. Of course, this isn't the case, you know. Uh, Some people hold beliefs or their convictions uh, way more deeply than anything which can be reached with a simple descriptive claim. Unfortunately, we're just not that simple. We're not that straightforward, you know. Uh, In reality, uh, most people uh, are motivated by fear. This is the uh, presiding emotion over almost all human political behavior for as long as we have existed as a species. You know, the wealthy or the powerful, um, you know, the aristocracy or the... um, the the um, the clergy you know whichever group is in power of course they fear losing power you know they fear losing standing with their compatriots they bankrupt their countries building grand palaces and cathedrals uh, they build walls around said palaces and cathedrals because they fear peasant revolutions the wealthy today uh, despite being wealthier than humans have ever been able to be for all of human history uh, are seemingly terrified of being taxed at anything approximating a reasonable rate I mean the reaction of people who make you know, a uh, hundred million dollars a year when they might, in fact, make sixty million dollars a year. I mean, you would think they're being threatened with their life. You know, you'd think you'd have a gun to their head. Uh, but it's fear. It's it's genuine fear. You know, people were just like that. But for those who don't have power, you know, our fear tends to take um, more interpersonal form, often because we're told to. Right? Uh, racism, xenophobia. Uh, I mean, you can go back as far as you want from the tribalism of pre-civilization humans to like the Crusades to the recurring waves of anti-immigration legislation that America has gone through because local white people didn't like the idea of their wages being lowered through immigration, even though the immigration ended up being an actually necessary part of economic development and ended up lifting the tide for everyone, including the native white people. But fear presides. Um, and when when people are fearful, you know, they'll do, they'll believe, I mean, all sorts of wacky stuff, really. Um, but it's important to understand that's what they're feeling, right? The, 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 you know, the white family who lives in the suburbs, who is absolutely terrified of their admin job being taken by a Mexican, this is a fear response. This is not like a rational, oh, look at the data and understand where it comes from response. The problem with understanding that a lot of politics comes right down to like very basic basically lizard brain emotional impulses, is that if it has nothing to do with rationality, the free marketplace of ideas is no longer a valid medium for addressing political differences. The premise of the free marketplace of ideas is that the best ideas rise to the top. That is a necessary part. I mean, if if it's free marketplace of ideas, but the ideas that survive to the end could be of any quality, then why do we defend this concept? You know, Why even value said free marketplace of ideas? It makes no sense. Um, But if people are making largely emotional decisions, we can't rely on the free marketplace of ideas to only allow the best ideas to rise to the top. I ask you what happened, of course, to all of the salient, intelligent, liberal commentators of the Weimar Republic, right? There were plenty of people who satirized the Nazis in 1920s and 30s Germany. They were, of course, shot first, uh, you know, and, and not allowed to live to see the true horrors of the administration that they failed to prevent from taking power. Uh, You know, critique on its own is, is insufficient. At the end of the day, politics is a power game. And as fascists have showed us, they have no qualms about using any possible institutional advantage. No matter how unfairly earned to achieve power, we must do the same. It's not a matter of fair or unfair or right or wrong. Uh, If they are allowed to do this and we do not, they will win, and the consequences of them winning are ruinous, so they must not be allowed to win. It's really that simple. It's just the system that we live in. There is no set of policies a liberal democracy can construct which cannot survive the erosion of a bad-faith actor. Given enough time with enough power, any set of people, any set of institutions can wear away at a fair-minded democracy and replace it with an autocratic fascist government. So, we have to be active. Uh, it is not simply enough to tell them they are wrong. Uh, they must be disempowered politically. Uh, they must not be allowed to uh, achieve office. I think a good argument can be made that many of them should not be allowed to run for office. I don't think you should be allowed to run in a democratic society if you're openly anti democracy. Uh, you know, a democracy must protect itself. If it does not, then it will eventually and inevitably be crushed. By the first anti-democrats to seize power this makes no sense of course institutions should s- seek to protect themselves for the same reason <clears throat> that when a plane is crashing to the ground you're supposed to put the oxygen mask on yourself before you put it on those around you you can't ensure the system works to its best if you allow it to be overtaken by people acting in bad faith once you understand this of course and this is a, a deeply anti-liberal idea because the liberal assumes that all problems can be resolved institutionally Uh, That everything about our system is capable of navigating these problems, that you can just have neutral governance, you know. But once you look past that, you know, I think what we need to do moving forward really is is quite simple. Uh, We need to do what we're doing, more of it and better, and we need to educate other people to do the same. Uh, If every liberal in this country were to understand the uh, monstrosity that is the Republican Party and what it represents, then the Republican Party would cease to be a threat. Uh, because every institution in this country would be aligned against it. Unfortunately, people do not have that understanding, so we have to do our best to make sure that they do. And that, uh, at least insofar as the context of my channel is what I try to focus on, uh, every possible mechanism by which this can be done should be taken advantage of. And I'm a firm believer in the value of civic discourse, of changing people's minds, of convincing them, you know, Though I find these days my efforts are more often spent convincing liberals how dangerous fascism is than convincing fascists to not be that. Uh, It's not impossible. I do believe fascists can be deconverted. It's just uh, difficult, you know? The fear response is difficult, and it is strong. And uh, we have to do something.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, I agree 100%. Uh, The point you made about your channel, convincing liberals, I think is like, I think a lot of people miss that, you know. When people say like, "Oh, why are you debating fascists?" You're not going to convince them. Well, the goal is the audience, you know, not the, not necessarily the crazy person across in the screen. But uh, I guess, um, do you guys want to come? Anybody? Okay. So right now, everybody, you're going to hear from the president of Solidarity. I think he said it's going to be a brief speech. Um, he is. Uh, they, they are like the the club as a whole is an explicitly socialist club. I got a lot of respect for them. And um, because they're bold. And I think especially like, so like I'm a social Democrat, to be clear. But for people like Bernie, for what he's done for socialism is he's normalized it. So being direct about what you believe in, saying what you are, is a good way for people to lose the stigma and um, hear out the actual policies and beliefs. So I appreciate you uh, coming and feel free to come and speak. Hey,
2: what's up? Uh, I'm not muted or anything. Uh, you are not. Okay, cool. Um, I was just going to say that this is going to be very short. I wrote very, like, very little, and I was also going to say that I'm only one of the lead organizers. I'm not like the president of Solidarity, but yeah, we are the uh, actual socialists here at FAU, the, and uh, we work together a lot with the uh, Democrats and other uh, left-wing groups. And I just wanted to say that in 1930, uh, 1933 about 100 uh, British uh, Union of Fascists uh, members um, tried to organize, and uh, around 2,000 anti-fascists showed up um, to counter-protest them in what uh, became known as the Battle of Stockton, which uh, a lot of historians say um, the, the British Union of Fascists never recovered from uh, One thing that we got to understand as anti-fascists is that there's more of us than there are of, of them. Um, and that it the one of the most important things that we can do in order to uh defeat fascism is to organize collectively and create like community uh autonomy and self-defense and what i mean by organize is like forming unions forming tenants unions um like uh joining uh local organizations joining mutual aid groups uh things that you're going to help People that literally live in your community, and you're going to get to know those people. And when those people's rights are threatened, just as uh, as we're we're in Florida, a lot of these uh, a lot of people's rights are being currently threatened in Florida specifically that of uh, the trans community. We uh, forming these uh, collective groups have come together to fight against um, uh, fascism here. Um, institutionalized fascism, however, that um... oh sorry,
1: oh wait, real quick. Uh... I just see here, your meeting will end in 10 minutes. Need more time, Zoom Pro. What the fuck is this, man? Uh, Hold on. I'll just finish real quick. Okay, And yeah, uh, okay, cool. I'll deal with uh, it. I'll, I'll make sure that the...
3: This is
0: problem. Historically, what is... our current don't the premium, the max is 45 minutes. Can we reach? Can, can we can 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 start re- a new meeting? Oh,
1: okay, we can start a new meeting. We'll deal with it. We okay. got you, boss
2: um historically a popular front of liberals and uh communists and socialists um that don't tolerate intolerance within our governments um are the people who have actually defeated fascism historically so be there for the community and work closely with everyone who fights for democracy and the rights of oppressed classes so, i was going to say if you uh lisa do you want to i'll do it like when he
3: gets it fixed, because yeah Sounds good i don't want to
1: yep. be cut short these kids <laughs> Okay, so we're going to hear from another member of Solidarity, another co chair, excuse me. You see, they're the socialist group, so they have much more collective leadership. I rule the college dems with an iron fist. I did this meeting like unilaterally, you know, I didn't ask anybody. But hold on, we're going to restart the meeting. I'll send you on Discord again.
0: Uh, stick with me. Thank you. Don't worry about me. Go ahead. Howdy. Hi.
1: OK, so you want to speak? Feel free to come up. I do. Uh, if, if you don't, that's I fine. I want to
3: wait for as long, but I mean, I can't. You just Yeah,
1: that's OK, fine. so we have our other speaker here.
3: Hello. Um, so uh, I just wanted to say thank you for uh, joining this event and being a part of it. Um, as was mentioned before, I am the co-chair of Solidarity. By the way, keep the gram. It's SOL. FAU on Instagram sorry quick shell. um (laughs) uh, I just wanted to say that uh out of everything said I I don't disagree I mean here I am right um on top of that I think that overall we should connect with each other as uh leftists as activists we have to take the time to you know treat each other like people i like overall that's the only comment I would say um but yeah it's in, in the by progressing and by um, working together and uh, trying to do as much as you can as an activist like not just streaming or not streaming but watching streams like voting, uh, canvassing all of the things that like I um, I just support you advocating for as a as an influencer is that the way uh, yes. yeah, uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that's all do the most that you can connect with uh, the people that you know need it yep. everybody yeah that's Absolutely. all and i mean don't be weird yeah <laughs> <That's laughs> all.
0: all right hello i'd like to add something if i may sure sure one of the um one of the one of the most difficult problems that left-leaning people have had to reconcile with i think is uh, recruitment bringing in new people Um, How do you expand our ranks, you know? I think this is ever more important when you consider the fact that it's very difficult to move a fascist towards non-fascism. You know, there there seems to be a kind of um, threshold point where somebody's at some point in their life is going to be introduced to a political influence and past that point they sort of roll down the hill they're given. Um, And speaking of fear, you know, there are other emotional impulses that drive our political biases. And an issue that I often see with regards to left-leaning people and reaching out is, look, to put it simply, so often the message is this, right-wing content creators or reactionary politicians or whatever else, the problem is always somebody else. Especially if you're a young white guy, uh, which isn't, you know, the entirety of this country, but certainly a large part of it. um, You will always hear that something else is the problem at hand, whether it be immigration or feminism or Black Lives Matter. It asks of you very little, you know, other than to uh, essentially not introspect, you know, you're fine the way you are. The problem is all these other groups who are doing something wrong. And often the first thing that many people will hear from a left-leaning person is a demand for introspection, you know, especially if you're a member of a hegemonic group. And you don't just have to be a straight, white, cisgender, you know, guy or whatever. You can be any of these things. You can be a black guy or a cisgender woman, you know, anything. Um, And so often the first request is one to introspect. And I think this is often, with respect, a deeply inappropriate first ask to make of somebody, you know? Especially since, from a leftist perspective, all the problems we face are not individualized. They're not a product of any individual human being failing to check their privilege or whatever. Um, They're a product of systemic failures that are so far outside the bounds of any one person's pathologies that opening with a call for introspection, saying essentially things would be better if people like you check their behavior more often, um this is very bad at recruiting it makes us look quite um quite unfun you know quite serious uh quite self-deprecating it leads into a lot of nasty stereotypes about say self-hating men uh you know for for being feminists and the like uh it's just it's uh, it's it's silly people will introspect if you give them a space in which doing so is easy and beneficial and reasonable and you give them the resources to do it but you want to open with broader systemic claims you know weaponize anger be fearful of the right things to be afraid of you know climate change or economic inequality or the fact that none of us will ever be able to afford to buy a house these are valuable directions to set people on and it's so so important that we come across as you know um likable frankly to people who might otherwise be turned away in favor of a much easier entry point to reactionary politics yeah
1: yeah absolutely and uh I mean, I think you can kind of see that in the, when you have conversations with these people. Um, a lot of people are conservatives because being a conservative is easy. You know, uh, it's easy to be afraid. It's easy to be ang- angry. Uh, and it's also harder to focus on the details of, like, let's just say, like, policy discussions. Uh, it's easier, for example, to say how scary it is that immigration is so high for uh, if you're trying to speak to like a, a teenage boy, for instance, versus if you say, hey, man, you know, you, healthcare is really expensive in this country. You, you should really deal with it. it, it we can save a lot of lives and money, which is the thing that I talk about, but is way more difficult for like the broader general audience, especially like uh sort of immature folks, young people that are really coming in to the world. There was a recent conversation I had on the outside when I was advertising this event some guy went up to me. He's like, Oh, what you got there? I was handing out flyers with, uh, handing out these flyers here. I like it a lot, but, uh, <laughs> 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 and now just imagine back when you were in university, you got up, you got that handed out to you with your face on it. But, uh, Yeah, no, I was talking, uh, I was handing it out, doing the advertising, doing the grind, and somebody comes up to me, he's like, oh, what you got there? I'm like, oh, do you know this uh, creator here, Vosh?" He's like, yeah, I hate him. And and I'm like... Good man. (laughs) And uh, he said, he's like, oh, yeah, I'm I'm more of like a fan of... I'm not even lying, he said this. The thing is, as we had the conversation, he was just like straight up a conservative. And he was also like confused. He thought you and Hassan were fascists that love Russia, he thought that a uh, social democracy is socialism. He thought that Canada is socialist. So, I mean, I guess it just goes to show you how that community is doing. But the point is like that dude's around my age. He has my time to learn and do all this stuff. Every He has a world of experience yet. He wants to focus on banning porn and uh, defending the red pill or something like that. And that was the conversation we had for like an hour. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I went to the the, the conservative meeting. They had a con a, they had a congressional candidate come there and speak, and one of his main points was we need to start drilling more oil. I think this guy's like a hundred millionaire. So I asked him. I said, you know, we're the number one oil producing country in the world. So like, do we really need to produce more oil, or is it just we're exporting too much? And then he said, yeah, we actually do. We are we are we produce a lot and we do export a lot. And I'm like, thank you for the answer. Uh, <laughs> But the point is like, yeah, we need to make a a message that's appealing to like the masses. And I think you do a good job with that. I think, uh, let me credit the debate bros here. Um, I think debate and that kind of content isn't just trying to appeal to the person that they're arguing with or their fan base, but it appeals a lot to the general audience, the sort of people that are already liberal leaning, maybe people that are conservative, but aren't like deeply political. I mean, you think of someone like me, I grew up. Uh, let's just say 2016, just entered high school. Uh, in middle school, I had watched those like feminist own compilations. I was also like a big uh, big leafy fan. But at the same time, I was a big Bernie fan and a strong progressive at that, I think. Um, but it, w- it would have been really easy for me as a minority, I'm Filipino and Salvadoran, to go into the alt-right pipeline. So I think it's really good that you, people like Zan, people like... Um, Honestly, I'll credit Hassan, too, because he's really done a good job at appealing to the normies, are out there representing not just, like, liberal-leaning, left-leaning, social-democratic ideas, but further, because, you know, that that's key. Uh, FDR recognized the importance of radicals of his time to be able to get the policies he wanted to get done actually implemented, and... Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I guess if you got anything to respond to what I said, I said a lot. So I, do, I want it to be a good back and forth. So I talk too much. <laughs> yeah.
0: Only that there are many politically confused people and very few people have political or ethical uh, positions that are completely coherent. Arguably, nobody does, depending on how in the weeds you want to get on ethics. You know, it's not as though philosophers have solved that subject. Uh, the best we can really do is keep our messaging simple and broadly relatable. This, to me, is one of the greatest failings of um, liberal feminism and liberal anti-racism, in large part that by being individualized, they are largely a matter of correcting individual behavior, which turns into this oppression Olympics pissing contest that I don't think legitimately makes people any less racist or society any less racially biased. There's a person I'm thinking of, um, a woman who wrote books on this, um... We, we we make fun of her on my channel. I'm forgetting her name, unfortunately, but I'm sure chat will remind me if given the opportunity. Uh, the, uh, Robin D'Angelo. There it is. Robin DiAngelo. Um She's rep- representative, I think, of a, a sort of broader trend where um, progressivism is sold to people as a kind of self-help, you know? Self-help is great. Uh, I say this, uh, you know, dripping with sarcasm not just because it makes us better but because it makes other people know that we're doing better than we were before you know it be it turns it turns uh personal progress into a uh commodified and representative uh you know um sort of aspect of ourselves uh and in doing so you know it really it essentially turns it all into a great big virtue signal you know uh and now we're in the weeds and you know people will argue over Say Latin, you know, like Latin X, you know, like people. Yeah. People get real yeah. upsetty spaghetti over stuff like that, and people get real in the weeds over very particular specifics over elements of transgender politics or race politics. Unfortunately, the fact of the matter is this: the nitty-gritty of these issues are largely irrelevant in the face of the broader questions. Do we want to live in a country where black and white people have equal opportunity? to achieve in life? What does equal opportunity look like? Do trans people deserve to exist? Questions to which, of course, I all say yes, but many people don't. But when you get <laughs> into the nitty-gritty on these issues, you're now operating on a, uh, a weakened position, not just because even if you win this argument, you haven't really convinced anyone of anything outside of this particular minutia, but also because politically uninvolved people will see the minutia of the argument as evidence of how particular and divorced from real issues you are, you know? A person with no real political investment, if they hear a leftist sincerely arguing for some, like, very specific thing about the trans people, you know, even if they're completely correct, don't get me wrong, even if they're fully correct in doing so, you must understand that to an average person who's not that invested in this issue, they'll think of you as a kind of, like, uh, oh, look at where the left has gone now. It used to just be about defending women and trans people but now you have to know all this nonsense you have to be on board with all this this is not to say that you should um completely abandon these problems or you should just take the conservative side god no it's only to say that an effort should be made to make the arguments you have on as broad a subject as possible um as many times as possible to get carried away in the details um as infrequently as possible because you have very, very, very little to win and comparatively more to lose in those circumstances.
1: Yeah, and I would say like, um, I think, oh my God, framing for almost every conversation you have, whether it's just like a conversation trying to convince somebody, actual one-on-one conversation like that, or um, debating, framing is key with so many of these things. Uh, I went to uh, the school board meetings, which are overrun by absolute psychos, crazy people that go in there and want, to, want the school board to use their magic school board powers to erase all the gay students, I guess. Um, but when I went up to speak, I actually used the research doc that you have on your Reddit. And I was speaking about um, trans people and the fact that transitioning is good, it's beneficial. The overwhelming research says so, there's a consensus, there's all these institutions that say so. And at the end of the day, it's all about letting, making less people kill themselves. It's about saving lives. Now, And I also mentioned one of the facts on there was that even, even social transition, just recognizing, just respecting a young person, even if they don't get any of the surgery or anything like that, but respect, lowers anxiety, lowers depression, so on and so forth. And you know what happened? The next day I got a call from the school board because some of the members wanted some of the sources from the doc. So, uh, and you know, in a more combative situations where like you're at the um, College Republicans, for instance, uh, I was at their meeting and we had a discussion about uh, the, the, the they, they decided to talk about DeSantis being a human trafficker and they were like, being like, oh, based, based? And I was like, no, not, not based. Well, I told them and I framed it as, look, you can make a case for moving people if you have their consent, if you don't lie to them, I just kept pressuring, why are they lying? Also, we're in Florida. As apparently, Republicans love the Cuban population here because they were leaving Castro. Why are we not extending the same hand to uh, Venezuelans, which are leaving under similar situations? And then they started bringing up, uh, oh, well, there was a bill in the 1960s that allows the Cubans to come here. And I said, but do you actually support the bill? Like, Are you consistent with the bill? If you are consistent, then you would allow Venezuelans to come here, and they just kept going back on oh legality, legality, legality. So I was in a room with twenty versus one, and I kicked their ass. Um, which also oh you want no, I was going to say eight, ten. We don't have that much time, so if you want
2: to okay, take some, yeah, uh, audience questions, and yeah. like
1: also uh, speak. Say... Sure, sure, sure. I will do audience uh, questions or... soon, and I'll but I'll do it after this quick announcement. Um, you know I, that's an excellent transition of what I just said there. Um, so, like I mentioned during my uh, initial speech, the College Republicans blocked me on Instagram about a year ago because I asked them to a debate. Okay, I did debate one of the TPUSA members, and I, uh, I would say I dominated. Okay, I took it easy on him, but um, they blocked me afterwards. There's two reasons I have in mind: either that they didn't like the they didn't like how they saw one of the members' performance, and they're scared, or something else. I'm not going to say what that something else is right now. Let's just say I think they're a lot more radical than they think they are, and they don't want to be exposed for that. And I have proof for that, but that's for another time. Um, So I went to the meeting, like I said earlier, and they unblocked me on Instagram. They unblocked the college Dems on Instagram. Pressure works, I suppose. But after the unblock, I DM'd them, and I asked if they were interested in the debate. Uh, They have not seen, or they have not opened the message. They have posted. We're still blocked from saying their stories. There's something they're afraid of. I don't know. But uh, Dennis Frager was saying how the left is afraid to debate. Uh, the left is not. In this case, they seem to be running, but we're still extending our hand to set that up. And we want to set up two things. One, a debate, of course. And two, in the, previ- in the past, college Democrats and college Republicans at FAU have done events together. They've collaborated. They did a dodgeball game athletic competition, athletic spirit. So I met the president of the college Republicans. He's like me, he's a short, spectacled, uh, nerdy kind of guy. I'm not even attacking him, so am I. So because we're so equal in that regard, we're both presidents as well. I would invite him, not just to a debate, but to a boxing match, why not? We have a boxing club at FAU. I think it could be done. I think I'm gonna win, but I will give him five to six months to train. I will be training as well. I think it could be done. I think it could be great. I think I'm gonna kick ass, but I just wanna let that all be out there on public record. I will be going to their meeting tomorrow and proposing the idea then. At the moment, uh, we'll see how they respond. But now is the time for audience questions. Anybody, if you have a question and you want to come up, you can ask. Or if you have a question and you want me to speak it, just let me see the paper and I got oh, you. Yeah. Uh, okay, one person is coming up to ask a question. But I guess, uh, what are your thoughts on the boxing match? You got a, a, a boxing, uh, a punching bag recently. Are you trained for the Creator Clash or something?
0: I boxed for eight years, long before I started doing YouTube stuff. I'm very out of practice, but yes, it is a lot of fun.
1: Uh-huh, uh-huh. I, uh huh. Uh huh. I I think you can consider the influencer boxing. Get in the KSI card. Maybe uh, you know,
0: there are I've, some
1: heavyweights out there.
0: I've got pretty bad joints now. I'd have to really think about that. Um, gotcha. You know, gotcha. Tragic. You know, I'm a I'm a wilteringly old 28 year old now. I've got to be careful.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well. Uh. Okay. We got our first question here.
4: here uh, hello, Bosch. Um. Howdy. Uh, uh, first I want to ask you so just to sort of clarify your opinion on something. Um, you said that uh, you think it's okay it's good to have sort of open discourse with uh, fascists so that you can change, I guess, the
0: opinion of the audience. Would you, would you agree with that? If it's in a good context, there are bad ways to platform mm. and to have discussions, of course. Mm. What, what
4: way do you think would be a bad way or a bad uh, type of discourse if you're trying to change minds of sort of the audience of a fascist, you know, um, someone like um, Nick Fuentes, for example.
0: Well, there are fascists who are far smaller than you, and by platforming them, you risk potentially elevating their audience in a way which is more beneficial than anything you could get from doing better than them. There are also many fascists who have completely given up on pretending to have a good argument, and at this point, simply engage in debate As a way of spreading their notoriety, like they would just have a debate to just yell slurs or just sort of loudly exclaim things without any substance. At this point, I don't think there's any point in talking to them. The proper debate should be one in which both people are capable of being humiliated. If I come to a debate and I make a point and I am proven wrong, I feel bad but there are people who will confidently say things that they know are not true. And when it's proven they're not true, they'll just move on to another thing because they're shamelessly anti-empiricist. In such a context, there's not really a point in talking to them. It's better to just focus on other people. Most people do at least pretend to care about the things they believe in.
4: I think I would agree with a lot of that. I would agree that um, there are a lot of fascists that sort of, um, when you talk to them and you disapprove a certain point that they make, they'll just jump to the next point because it's not really about um, proving a point. It's about setting up an ideology and then sort of saying, uh, this is what we get from the conclusion of that ideology. Um, And so I I think that um, there's a lot of ways that one could uh, platform a fascist. And I think the way that one should do it heavily depends on the type of person you're talking to and the type of person that you are. And I think that if you're talking to someone and your ideas are better than them and you're better at presenting your ideas than them, then think nine times out of 10, you should always try and talk to that person and try and delegitimize their ideas from your audience, at least make someone start to think a little bit in their audience. Um, sort of no matter who it is. I think, you know, I, I used to be um, pretty right wing and then uh, now I'm, I'm pretty far left wing. And uh, I think that um that wouldn't have happened if i didn't see sort of the back and forth between you know uh left-wingers and right-wingers on a uh youtube channel
0: of course discourse is important but it's always important to choose who you talk to as well the process of engagement and debate is valuable but uh as is always the case with any kind of you know message spreading you know it has to be done with discretion if you can't do that then you just waste your time in this like sort of irrelevant whirlpool of, of debates with people who are so unserious that you're frankly just wasting your time talking to them. But I do think most people can have their minds changed at least potentially. And I do think that many conversations are worth having the specifics of how to decide which conversations are though, is honestly really complicated and changes a lot depending on factors that can change at any moment.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, would, I would agree with that. I would, um, I'll like talk to you a lot more about this, but you know, we don't have very much
0: time and uh audio so life is unfair unfortunately yeah. thank you i well, appreciate it
1: hey, thank you for talking to me all right we have a uh, second question coming
2: up
1: yeah.
2: hey what's up i'm back howdy uh okay so i actually have uh one a question from my own and another question from somebody in the in the crowd which is I see a rise in alt-right ideas take hold in teens and youth adults through memes and internet culture. What do you think is a good approach to inform these teenagers and young adults the nefarious purpose behind these memes?
0: Well, part of this, unfortunately, is that kids are stupid and cruel, uh, with a poor understanding of the effect of their behavior. And that's just sort of inevitable and unavoidable problem that we're just going to have to deal with. This is why I'm so insistent on making leftism, or at least progressivism, approachable, I'm a little bit older than the people in your room, but I've been on TikTok enough to know that unfortunately a lot of young people's first exposure to leftism is going to be a 300,000-like TikTok on how, like, men do this thing that's bad, and if they didn't do that thing, then things would be better, you know? This is not a spectacular introduction to progressivism if you're on the receiving end of this criticism, a highly individualized criticism at that. I think we should focus on directing people's antagonisms outward, you know? It's pretty difficult to get a 13-year-old white boy, speaking as somebody who was once a 13-year-old white boy, to get on board with leftist politics by telling them that they're not sufficiently checking their male privilege and that they need to be more conscious of microaggressions when interacting with women. It can be pretty easy to get them on board if you talk to them about some externalized problem. Income inequality, the way cities are built that uh, restricts us, car culture, um... You know, uh, 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 geopolitics, the way that our, you know, uh, budgetary issues are, um, are mishandled by our, our government, you know? And I think overridingly, like, everybody wants to feel special, but especially when they're young, you know? Um, talk to them on their level and make it clear to them that they're being talked down to with the right wing. Reactionaries rely on their audiences being stupid. Why is your life bad? Why do you experience these problems? Oh, it's simple. It's because of X group or this very simple, like, oh, just dislike these people, you know, this problem, something and so, you know. Um, Point out that this is happening to them. I think it makes them a bit more receptive to, um, you know, to to proper critique. Oh, and leftists need to get way better at talking about um, male loneliness and dating issues. I have seen very few left-leaning sources that deal with this in anything that approximates like responsible coverage. It's usually just like making fun of lonely guys for being lonely and like basically everyone feels lonely when they're a teenager so that's going to move a lot of people to the right. They'll feel like they're being sort of um in, like like they're being laughed at basically you know like there' are a bunch of lefties and women who are like mocking them and then then some conservatives like, oh well actually it's because they haven't taken the red pill or whatever and you know they're they're quite receptive to that at that age.
2: Yeah, I think that's a pretty good answer.
0: Um,
2: um following up with that, with like the, the rise of like uh, fascism through memes, and internet culture, um, there's a I think a specific problem when it comes to like uh, leftist organizing, which is a specific brand of of fascism that like it seems that only the left breeds, which is that which allows uh, the crimes of like Russia, or uh, you know Syria or China or the uh, or the DPRK. And which excuses those uh, those crimes, um, and oftentimes the uh, the sort of like uh, justification for those crimes is that of like uh, it's it's pretty much um, interchangeable with that of like fascists. It's usually having to do with the ethnicity and and authoritarianism and stuff. And so, how how do you think is probably the best way to make sure that those ideas don't propagate within the left?
0: Well, I think at the end of the day, it comes down to essentialization, which is the critical problem with most bad politics. Um, they engage in something I like to call American diabolism, the opposite to American exceptionalism, where they believe that America is so intrinsically and inimicably bad that anything which opposes it must be good or at the very least defensible, no matter what it's actually doing. In reality, of course, it's far more complicated than this. America's orchestrated an enormous number of bad things abroad. Um, You know, but this is this is very much like defending the murderer because uh, the alternative is allowing him to be arrested by the police, which are an oppressive institution. Uh, We engage in more nuance. We understand that not everything is this like bipolar black and white, uh, uh, you know, dichotomy when we talk about most social issues. And we have to apply the same internationally. Geopolitics is some may be surprised to hear this really complicated, actually. Um. And uh, it's 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 quite difficult, I think, you know, your, your understanding of these issues is so so limited. Sometimes uh, it, it becomes a um, a sports, a sporting match, you know, but other countries defended by many of these groups don't even subscribe to this themselves. Russia and China haven't had a good relationship since the 70s or the Soviet Union and China, you know, back then. Um, the relationship between Bolivia and Russia is, is is broadly strained, likewise with China. Syria's relationship with Russia is, is in a way kind of mutually destructive, depending on your aims. It's, it's just a very simplistic way of thinking of things. You know, every, at the end of the day, everybody wants a good guy to root for. Uh, and unfortunately, geopolitics is an inappropriate venue to demonstrate that bias. Yeah, I gotta say, as,
2: as like somebody from ah uh, from uh, the global south, I'm, I'm from Brazil. Um, I find that a lot of these like people uh, do tend to like simplify like geopolitical problems as like a sort of like a good guy versus bad guy, where the just the the only difference is that like America's the bad guy this time uh, instead of actually looking at the fact that like you know uh, China and Russia, those are all capitalist nations as well and have the same problems as us. I just want to say thanks again for for being here. Um, um just want to say. Uh, join a mutual aid group, and um, and I'm going to see if anybody else has any more questions.
0: Thank you. Pleasure is mine. And congratulations, partially, on um, your home country's recent election results.
3: Hey, that's only, only first round. Second round's coming. Yes, we'll see. Hello, again. Um, so first thing I want to say is um, something about uh, debating in uh, left-leaning mm-hmm. spaces. Oh, we should probably. Uh, OK, we'll, we'll work with that. It's fine. I
4: will just just the extra. OK. okay.
3: Um, so what I wanted to say is, uh, first of all, I wanted to shout out my friend Savannah Sweeney. She was the one who initially introduced me to you uh, through like debating people, and um, I wanted to ask a question about that what would you say to people who are reluctant on uh debating you know right-leaning people fascists uh, i mean
0: (laughs) first of all debate is really difficult it's a skill and like anything relating to public speaking it's not a skill that people have a strong intuitive grasp of if a person is averse to debate in a professional or interpersonal capacity I don't blame them at all. Um, I think it's quite appropriate for these things to be handled you know, by people who are um, well-trained in them. However, if you're going to get into it, and invariably we all are, we all have family members or friends, coworkers, workers colleagues um, who have bad ideas, arguments are just a part of life, you have to learn how to argue. And it's extremely difficult, but there are a couple of pointers that I would like to offer. I often find it very helpful when I'm having a debate to not imagine myself as an active participant, but rather as an imaginary audience member watching me from afar. That way, there's a kind of selective depersonalization that makes it way harder for me to get angry. See, getting angry is the worst thing you can do in a debate, unless you know what you're doing and you can weaponize righteous fury like, I don't know, Malcolm X, you know, make it sound great. Um, For the most part, it just makes you stupid. Um, and, and, you know, come off quite upset. Um, You don't want to take these things personally. Debate is difficult. Arguing is difficult. Um, And you want to be able to think, as maybe a, a chess player would, about their next move, carefully about what direction to head down. Because the worst thing that can happen in a conversation is to allow the other person to dictate the terms of the debate. Stick to the stuff that you're strong on, preferably broader stuff, and come across as an innocent, almost uninvolved interlocutor who is being confronted by them. You want to make them feel maybe even subconsciously like they're imposing on you, wasting both of your times with their questions, their demands, you know, because the more engaged, the more directly involved, the more invested you become, the more you implicitly justify their investment. Um, Every conversation you have with a person whose ideas are bad, should be one in which they feel like they 're intruding, and therefore they feel less comfortable they 're more willing to make concessions they 're more willing to back off or to feel as though they 're being annoying or coming off as cringe, which is of course the worst thing you can do if you 're having one of these conversations so say transgender stuff right i 'm um, sure this gets talked about all the time in colleges these days. I got out of college just around the time before the internet culture war really kicked off, so um Most of the conversations that I had on social issues were by choice. But if you're talking about, like, anything pertaining to trans people, you will have someone who loves this Matt Walsh documentary come up, you know. um, How do you feel about this one case of a 12-year-old who got, you know. um, You look at them quizzically. They are wasting your time. You take a moment to respond. Why do you have an issue with people transitioning? Doctors seem to be okay with it. The studies show that it's not harmful, and it seems to make trans people far happier. What social harm is being done? Don't answer their question directly. Why do you cede to their gotcha? It's not like they were going to approach you in good faith. They ran up to you with a cultivated media headline, with a bumper sticker to scream at you right off the bat. Don't give that to them. You, if you want to talk about that specific issue, you can work back to it. You know, It's possible to work your way back to that point, but you want to start on strong footing. And stay calm, don't get uh, preachy or ivory, towery, you're not on a high horse or anything. You're just like a a calm, regular person being confronted with an angry nitwit. Does that make sense?
3: Yeah.
0: This is like a good (laughs) basic, it's a good basic template for approaching these conversations. Stay calm, make them feel like they're imposing on you, control the conversation, focus on big subjects that you're strong on and every time they get more in the weeds in the like specific pointers that they want to focus on make it seem like you know you roll your eyes like okay like 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 they're like you know sort of dragging both of you down this irrelevant conversation you get what i mean
3: absolutely yeah um i uh I'm actually involved with a debate that's upcoming uh, for my school with a um,
4: young Americans for freedom.
3: <laughs> young Americans for freedom, that's the one. Um, and so I've um, I'm you know researching it and, and doing things. Um, that question more so was to kind of uh, kind of talk about how like a lot of people are very um, apprehensive when it comes to debating. Um, like fascists and, uh, alt-right people, like, um, it's dedicated to one of my friends who's also here, um, and she wanted to say something, uh, she wanted to say, my friend Logan, she's our esteemed delegate, or delegate, yes, that's the word, good grief, um, and so she said, always make sure that your leftism is rooted in a place of compassion, and you want to help people, uh, and, good grief. (laughs) <laughs> I say it? No, and it's I fine. I camera. And not need to be right. That's the, the last part. Um, so I just wanted to shout them both out. And um, I also really quickly wanted to say that um, when I was in high school, I would get into arguments uh, about like leftism, not necessarily socialism, because I was a liberal back then. But um, and in those uh, arguments, I was alone. Uh, nobody really stood up for me for being gay. Nobody really stood up for me for being a Latina, and the Trump era was, like, rising. Um, and, yeah, I learned a lot to, like, argue with people and to, like, really listen to them. And I, I want to pass that on to anybody watching. You're not alone. And when you speak up and, like, tell people, like, hey, don't say that, you're doing it not only for yourself, but anybody near you. So there's that.
0: Of course, we should not have to argue for our existence. But unfortunately, we have to. It's not really a matter of what's fair or not. So, it's good to have those skills while you can. And remember, whenever you argue, as I have described, you are doing so from a place of compassion. It is in the self-interest of everyone to not be a fascist. What you're trying to do is prevent people from falling into thought-terminating clichés. Like, you've all seen the Gamergate-era screaming lady on the ground, right? 2016, the triggered libs or feminists or feminazis or whatever. If you give them something, if you come across as upset, overly involved, overly invested, cringe, you give them an excuse to ignore what you have to say. It gives them power over you, and in doing so, both of you are hurt. Because they're less likely to be pulled from their self and externally destructive ideology. At the end of the day, being good at arguing is being good at making other people's lives better, if your ideology is good.
3: I just want to say thanks again. Um, I'll pass the mic over to Nathan. Ciao.
0: Thank you. The call is about to end.
1: Yeah, I noticed. Um, so, I mean, I think most people have to leave soon, but the call is about to end. Uh, I don't know. Is there anything else you want to say before we end the call?
0: Only that it's been a pleasure to speak to everyone I thank you. I hope you all have a wonderful time. Uh, you know, school life seems a lot more difficult now than it was when I graduated in large part because all these questions are made more, um, more immediate, uh, I think, especially to younger people. So good luck with dealing with that. It's not going to get better anytime soon.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I guess, uh, I guess some of the last few things I want to say is a big fan of your content, you know, I've been progressive for like a while. But my main sources of content were like TYT, The Majority Report, Kyle Kalinske, so on and so forth. And they're great. I love them all. But like, it was only when I started watching your content when, uh, oh my God, less than a minute. Uh, okay, okay, I'll try to rescue it. You helped me with learning about how to defend trans people. You helped me with the social issues. You prevented me from being a sort of uh, uh, class-only kind of guy. You know what I'm saying? So that's really beneficial and you provide... Perhaps the best arguments I've seen on the left, better than other debaters, even, and better than definitely video essayists. Um, but with that in mind, uh, I guess. Any quick, moment
0: now.
1: Yeah, quick, quickly, uh, my stuff is the Nathan Gallang on YouTube and Twitch, and I am gonna try to start streaming soon. So hopefully. Oh, I did really wanna say this. The Vosh community is really nice, bro. The Vosh community is really nice. I got like 200 subs on my YouTube channel. Most likely, 100 came from 100 came from uh, the Bosch subreddit. So, have a yeah.
0: wonderful day. Thank, Thank you. you.
1: All right. Bye. See you later. Bye.
3: Take care.
0: What remarkable enthusiasm! That was fun.